Hey everybody, this is the Crime and Stuff Sisters. Hi. We have a special addendum to this week's episode that actually is going before the episode, even though we're recording it well after the episode. Yes. Becky? Well, so I've noticed something. Uh, <laughs> something occurred to me. Me too. Th- this week. I was telling some young people I work with, because I work at a big box store, so I work with lots of young, young type people that listen to podcasts, and I was telling them about our podcast. A store that won't be named, but we'll just say, when we go high, they go to yeah. your store. Ooh. But anyway, I told them about the podcast, that's about crime and stuff, and I said, the newest one that we're coming out with is about JonBenet Ramsey, and they said, who? They said, girl said, who is that? One of them kind of knew who she was, but there were three girls, all early 20s. One did actually, I think, know who she was. And that was the girl that knew what a podcast was and was interested in subscribing. The other two were clueless. We realized. We realized we did not do like a synopsis. We just assumed. We, I think we intended to do a synopsis, but then we got so excited in our discussion that Maybe. we never really went through and it. And I guess we just assumed that, that everybody knows about it, but not enough. everyone's as old we as should, us. We should never assume uh, no, that everybody's as old yeah. as us. But the story is that on December 26, 1996, Patsy Ramsey, Benet Ramsey's mother in Boulder, Colorado, called 911 frantic because her daughter had been abducted and there was a three-page ransom note. Yes. The police came, including some friends who the Ramseys immediately called after calling 911. There was supposed to be a ransom call between 8 and 10 o'clock that never came. came. Later in the day, her father, John Ramsey, found JonBenet's body. JonBenet was six. I don't know if we said that. Yes. In a room in their cavern-like, (laughs) maze-like cellar, dirty cellar, Wrapped in a blanket and dead, at first they thought she had been strangled to death. Mm-hmm. The autopsy later revealed she had a closed head injury yes. that had actually killed her. Although some people still keep saying she's strangled to death, I've noticed Because that. the initial report yes. said that Patsy died of ovarian cancer in, I think, 2006. The family maintains to this day, abductors came in, left the ransom note, yes. killed her, sexually assaulted her, left her in the cellar. Aww, Investigators generally maintained the family had something to do yes. with it, although what they had to do with it isn't totally clear. I think if you are not familiar with it and you like crime, which actually, if you do like crime and are listening to this, you're probably familiar with it, but for all the people that mm-hmm. I force to subscribe and listen <laughs> to this that don't, it's a fascinating case because there's so many weird aspects. And one thing we should probably mention, too, is one of the reasons it got so much media attention at the time is Jean Benet, as young as she was, was in many, many, many beauty pageants. Yes. And so there was a lot of video of her dancing, dancing made up like a pictures made up her. like a middle-aged tart cooker, dancing around in her little outfits. And she was constantly referred to as a beauty queen, which... I felt from the beginning was unfair for a six-year-old little girl. But on that note, we'll get to our episode. Yes. So I hope you enjoy it. And thanks for listening. Rebecca Milliken, and this is Crime and Stuff. And tonight we have a very special 20th anniversary of the death of Jean Benet Ramsey episode. Yes. 
But before we get into that and tell you what it's all about, we have a couple updates from previous episodes. Yes. And it, isn't it great that we have enough episodes that we can I know, we had an update. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go first. I've got one from my Sarah Chiker episode. That was the old lady that was abducted by those grifters in L.A. Well, officially not abducted. She went with them on their cross-country jaunt I'll let to you Maine. Tell it. She, uh, this is an editing error, not a reporting error, right? Is that we what they used to say in the we newspaper? We gotta get rid of that crappy editor. The, new, the editor, editor of our show sucks. I gotta yeah, say. and that and that crappy editor. She doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't. <laughs> so Sarah was awarded in January. Oh, and this is a spoiler alert, by the way. So if you haven't listened to that episode, which was number four, I Put think. Put your fingers in your ears. I had said at the end of my report that she did win her civil case in January of 2016. She won a settlement of $2 million against the Davises, which I'm sure she will never see because nobody knows where they are now. They probably already changed their names, and they probably already befriended some other old woman. Yep. That's it. <laughs> My update is after our episode marking the fifth anniversary of the disappearance of Waterville toddler Ayla Reynolds, the morning Sentinel in Waterville reported that Ayla's mother, Trista Reynolds, is going to have her legally declared dead. In May, Trista Reynolds said they were planning on filing a lawsuit. But their lawyer told them that they didn't have enough evidence to file a suit, child endangerment, wrongful death, whatever Mm. it may have been. There was no Ah. evidence. Trista is having her declared dead probably this month. Mm. So in the future, they can file such a suit if they find enough evidence to. And this isn't a big surprise. The police said in 2012 they didn't think she was still alive, and Trista had said that in the past. But this is a necessity to file that suit, and that was the most recent reporting on the Ayla Reynolds case, and it's been since our fifth anniversary episode, so I'm just bringing you folks And maybe we can ask Matt Nichols. Yes, Matt Nichols, our our Ask a Lawyer. When someone files a civil suit like this against somebody, and I think the reason for doing this is even if you know you're not going to get any money for it, is just to get evidence out and force somebody to testify. Right, you can depose people. Yes, you can depose people. As you saw like with Bill Cosby. Yes. That his deposition against that one woman several years ago is now being used against him in another court. And I think that's that's the point of it. I don't think she thinks she's ever going to get any money from him. Right. I think it's more about getting, and I don't know, I mean I really can't speak for her. I don't know her well, but my my supposition is that she's trying to just get him to talk about it. Well, and not only get him to talk about it, but I think also to have somewhere on the record that he's guilty of something. Mm-hmm. And yes. in a criminal case, somebody has to be found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, as Matt talked about yes. before. But in a civil case, you don't need reasonable doubt. No. And that's what happened with O.J. Simpson yep. and the Goldman and... Um, Not that poor Ron, the Goldman's got much, but... No, and again, it wasn't about the money so much as... vindication, maybe. Here's another case where there hasn't been a resolution. Never. I don't and, think there will ever will be. And people haven't talked. There's so much to say that's happened in the past 20 years, so for the sake of this episode, we're going to talk mostly about these two documentaries and what they brought and what they had that was new and what they had that was convincing, that colored. What we decided to do, because there's so much information, is the two documentaries, the CBS 
What was the, the CBS was called Case Closed, The Killing of John Bonet Ramsey. And the A&E one was called The Killing of John Bonet, Truth, The Truth Uncovered. It's hard to keep them straight. With but those. then they also had one, The Killing of John Bonet, Her Father Speaks, which was basically The Truth Uncovered, and then like the last two minutes was him complaining. And that tells you where they were coming from. Yes. And I, I watched a couple other documentaries and and Mo read a Mo read a book. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've we've done other research, but these two documentaries are good starting point. Maybe um, we can do another episode later where we talk about other I, this is the kind of thing that people talk about all the time because there's so many things going on in it. It's and it's never been solved. So the CBS one was more The CBS one looked at forensic evidence Almost kind of what we're going to do, only we're not investigating it, but took... But we will solve it. Yeah. Because we're so smart. (laughs) Wicked smart. It went clue by clue and examined some of the biggest issues in it and built a case using people that we all know from watching true crime shows. Henry Lee, who was in the O.J. Simpson trial. He's actually the only one I know. Well, I knew that Spitz guy. That Spitz guy. And their their conclusion pointed to the brother Burke. Yes. And I'm not we're not spoiling anything no. by saying that. And then the A and E one was well they, they didn't they, really conclude. They, were, they say the truth uncovered, but it, it didn't was a really, big kind of apology it didn't cover anything. It didn't really uncover but they were in the school of thought that it was an intruder. And before we get into the, the details, I, I wanna talk about presentation just a little bit because okay. The CBS one, which I thought was really good with its content, Mm -hmm. the presentation was off-putting enough that it made it difficult to watch. It was so reality showish, like especially the thing that I always hate on House Hunters and Property Brothers. I watch a lot of HD or used to. And all reality shows where they're on, oh, let's get them on the phone right now. And they're on the phone calling and looking at each other waiting for the person to answer. And it's also staged. It's staging and redra- like dramatizing, dramatizing things that have already been done. Right, like what we'll talk about it's later, phony. like with the 911 yeah. call. It, that's already been done by by sound experts. And so they're like, they're discovering this stuff. When you read a lot about the case, you say what they're quote-unquote discovering has already been discovered. And, and it doesn't really negate what they talk about. But I don't think the dramatization... It kind of takes away from, to me... Right. I don't think it was necessary the, to present their documentary well. To me, it, it it almost takes away from the credibility of it. when right. you're When you're like, when you can tell they're acting right. because badly. Because if, if you watch enough reality TV shows, I'll just use HGTV instead of true crime shows because that's what it reminded me so much of. Yeah. When like you watch enough centers. where they're, oh, let's get somebody on, oh, I'm going to get the guy delivering the tiles on the phone. Well, Steve, oh, he can't come this Saturday. Oh, no, we're never going to get the house done yeah. fine. And you can tell it's all acting. And I hate to destroy those shows for anyone who thinks it's all real. Or like House Hunters. You know, remember on House Hunters back in the old days when they used to have the realtor calling? Hey, yeah, we got I the know. house. And you know it was all fake. Or a Property Brothers, they do that Property too. Brothers. Well, their beards are even... I, I like them, though. I don't like those guys. They I, give me the creep. I can't I like, even watch Property I like Brothers. I them. Anyway. Other than that, I thought the CBS, they had a good premise, and they had good people on it. The FBI agent who was kind of the host, and that mm-hmm. Scottish woman who was kind of his sidekick. Yeah. And then and then Dr. Spitz and Dr. Lee 
and, and the, two other, guys. the two other guys. <laughs> <laughs> two other guys. Professor and Marianne. Yeah, and the rest. And the rest. It was so much that hokey reality show. I know. Me. I think that a lot of television producers really underestimate viewers' intelligence and our attention spans. And maybe they don't. Maybe maybe they don't because recent events have made me think that maybe well, I overestimated. No, we're gonna have a whole presidency. No, we're gonna have a whole presidency like that now. So so with but, fake phone calls. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know. Ivanka saying, Well, I don't think that you <laughs> dropped that bomb right in the right place. But so. anyways. But then the A and E one, the presentation was the same as all the I other. I thought the A and E's presentation was almost a little weird. I felt it was aggressively Pro Ramsey yes, from the start. The narration I'm, was weird. They had that woman, that weird. In fact, her voice I wanted was to. Weird. Right. Her voice. No, it made you feel overlady. like she was somebody because she didn't have a typical narrator voice. It made you feel like she was somebody in authority or something. It was Patsy from the grave. And and it weirdly showed, even though it aired before the CBS one, it weirdly yeah. showed John Ramsey at least once it took watching a lot of the digs CBS at that one too. documentary without saying what he was It's watching. funny how it took a lot of digs at that. And, and it also had, the narration had some really serious editorializing yeah. that I found irritating because if you're going to present like your that. case, present your case. It wasn't objective at all. And the CBS one actually presented the information and built a case. Yes, they did. Although uh, the criticism of the CBS one that I've heard, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but the criticism was that they had come to this premise that Burke did it, and they cherry-picked evidence to support it, and that they were guilty of groupthink, blah, blah, blah. I didn't really see that, and I'll tell you the truth before that. Before I watched it, because we didn't watch them till recently, even though they came out in September, so we had heard people talking about them. I didn't really think that Burke had done it before I started watching it. I was like, because I didn't see all the evidence, I just was thinking, yeah, right, Burke did it. How does that happen? Because they keep saying, oh, she was strangled to death, which she was not strangled right. to death. From the beginning, but, I kind of felt Burke had something to do with it, because everybody was so weird about Burke. Well, like you hadn't seen him in the public eye for all these years, really. right? But I remember when it first happened, thinking the family, and this is kind of the feeling, too, you get from the, watching the CBS one, that the family wouldn't go through all these efforts to cover it up unless it was to protect Burke. But the other thing about the cherry-picking I just want to bring up is when I watched the A&E one, which was after the CBS one, I said, okay, let's see what they say about this same evidence. And there were major things that we'll talk about later that they didn't even they talk didn't. about. They major did not. convincing things they did not. that are hard to refute, that are that are evidence that have been out there for years Huge. and that, that there's yes. no dispute about some of it mm-hmm. that they didn't talk about. There are other things that have been debunked over the years that they treated as though it were evidence when it's been debunked yep. and there and they also didn't present anything that the CBS one didn't. So my feeling about the cherry picking argument is CBS had more than the A and E one and they explained all the evidence. They didn't start out that first hour saying Burke did it. No. They didn't even they barely talked about it until like the third hour. They chose had video of the weird nineteen ninety eight Burke interview. But oh, it's yes. funny how they chose different 
things yeah. to show. And then I saw a different one on even another one. did watch a couple other documentaries. I watched American Murder Mystery on ID, which was kind of along the same lines as A&E. I didn't watch the whole thing. They had, like, that stupid John Michael Carr guy. I wasn't going to watch him. Yeah, he was, um, he was a... He's just a crazy man. In fact, He just one, wanted to get back in the country, the basically. One in, in fact, the one thing that makes him significant is the fact that he was given so much credence by the DA's office and stuff when he obviously wasn't a legitimate suspect. He, he was in Thailand. He wanted to get desperate for anything yeah. to show the Ramses didn't do it. The other one I watched was on Amazon. I don't know if it's only on Amazon. It was only about a half an hour long, and it was called Who Killed John Benet Ramsey? And it was mainly just their 2001 deposition, the uh, Patsy and John. And I thought it was interesting because it was just showing their deposition. They spent a lot of time showing their reactions to handwriting. And I thought it was interesting how they had done this. And I hadn't really seen it. And they might have showed a little bit of this in the CBS one, that chart with the handwriting. I don't know if they did. They talked a little bit about the handwriting. They showed it a lot in this one. It was basically just a T-chart. I can't say T-chart. Like a chart, you know, like two two columns. One column was, you know, they just was singled letters out letters. From, from the ransom from note. The, from the ransom note. And the other was letters from known samples of Patsy's handwriting before she ever wrote the ransom note, like from photographs that she had written captions on and things like that. And so they had these compared, and they do look a lot alike. I'm not a handwriting expert, and I know a lot of handwriting expert, as evidence has kind of been debunked a little bit over the years, a lot of times people say it's not a true science. It depends on how it's used. I mean, to the naked eye, they look, and how would some intruder know how to kind of copy her handwriting? I mean, they looked very similar. It didn't look like my handwriting. There were some letters that were formed weirdly. So the thing that I found telling was not, as much that they look so much alike, but that the reactions of John and Patsy to those samples, and they didn't show them the chart at first. They showed her samples of writing, for instance, they showed them the photograph and said, do you recognize the people in this photograph? And they would say, yes. They said, don't name the people, but do you recognize them? Can There's I ask you, were they, were they giving separate de- yes, depositions? Yes, separate depositions. I guess it was the DA that deposed them. I'm not sure. Well, they were deposed a number of times over the years yeah. in a book I read by one of the investigators. And none of it was by the police department, put it that way. The DA did a couple times. They had given conditions for being deposed. But it was not the police. And, and maybe I would like to ask Matt, but from what I understand about a deposition is you have to answer everything they're asking you. You can't take the fifth. You can't not answer. I might be wrong. So and it might depend on the laws of the state. I'm not sure. Matt, Matt will know. Yeah, anyway, so, so they both of them, so they would show this photograph to say Patsy, and it was a Polaroid with a bunch of kids, one of them John Bonet. So she'd look at the picture, and they'd say, do you recognize the people in this photograph? Don't name them, just tell us. She'd say, yes, that's John Bonet and some of her friends. And whose writing is this on the photograph? I guess it's mine because, you know, that's from my photo album. She wouldn't say, that's my writing. And then they would say, can you look at this sample, and do you think those two letters look alike? How do they look alike? Is this your writing? And she would just say, she'd either say she didn't know, it didn't really look like her writing, even though she knew it was hers. She'd say, it must be my writing, but I don't know. And then she would say that the two letters, even though to me they look pretty much alike, they would single out the letter and have them right next to each other, the B from the from the ransom note and the B from her caption, and she would say they didn't look alike. Then they showed them doing the same thing with John Ramsey. He'd say, "Is this? do you know who's writing this? And he would say, no. 
They showed him the photograph. It had Patsy's writing. And it's his wife's handwriting on a photograph. Yes. It's not the ransom note. Yes. And he would say, no, I don't know whose writing that is. This is your wife's writing. And he'd say, that's a lot sloppier than her writing. Her writing is much neater than that. That's not her writing. And they said, well, it is her writing. It was in your scrapbook. And then they do the same thing. And both he and Patsy were like, no, that, that writing does not look anything alike. They don't look It's like looking at... I don't know if you're looking at the sky with somebody and saying, look how blue the sky is today. And they're like, it's not blue. The sky's not blue. And they're both serious about it. No, no. To me, that said a lot. And that ransom note, and they talked about it in CBS, the A&E did not. I only remember one statement about the ransom note in the A&E special, and it said no one could conclude that Patsy Ramsey wrote it. Or they said out of five handwriting experts, none could conclude... Yes, they couldn't conclude she wrote it, but they couldn't right. rule now, her out. Since you since you brought that up, why don't we start with the ransom? Yes. Oh, we didn't talk about the nine one one. Right. But we'll talk about because, the ransom note first because I think the ransom note is the biggest. I think that's the so, biggest piece of evidence. So just to bring people up to speed, if they're not familiar with the details of it, Patsy Ramsey says she came downstairs on this back spiral staircase. There was a three-page ransom note that started out. Dear Mr. Ramsey, we have your daughter. It was quite lengthy. All Three the experts, pages. all the investigators said someone referred to it as the war and peace of ransom. Yes. That it was bizarre that it was that long. It was concluded pretty early in the case that it was written on Patsy Ramsey's pad of paper that she had in the kitchen and her pad. with her sharpie, sharpie, and they actually managed to narrow it down to this one sharpie. They found on the pad of paper that day what looked like a practice. A couple of false starts, yeah. When you say the handwriting experts couldn't discount that it was her, they had at least five different handwriting experts look at it. CBS went into this quite deeply. Yes, they did. And A&E barely mentioned it. They could conclude that it was not John Ramsey. It wasn't his older adult children from previous marriage, John Andrew or Melinda. It wasn't Burke, the nine-year-old brother, but they couldn't discount Patsy. And a lot like DNA, where they never say, that is this person's DNA, they say, we can't discount that that's... It's the same thing with handwriting experts. They won't say, yes, that is her handwriting. They'll say, we can't say it's not. And yes, and so A&E used that phrase to, to just kind of discount that as evidence. And it doesn't matter without it was pointing there. out that it's the other people... It's a piece people, of evidence. Right. Even if they couldn't conclude, it's still a piece of evidence that needs to be, be acknowledged, at. and I they think, didn't. I think the CBS documentary actually started with the ransom note, or or they talked to. about it quite a bit. And, yes, I believe they started. And they with went it. into first of all the FBI guy who was kind of the host of the CBS one, who had a lot of experience with ransom notes, saying it just as we say in Maine didn't pass the straight. T- face test, or the, as we say in Maine, abductions. The spit milk test. The spit milk <laughs> test, because it was so long and so involved. And from the beginning, I think most of us in this whole thing have said, what kidnapper is going to sit down? You come with your ransom and note. And write a side. manifesto. Right. And he, the FBI guy said that it could have been four lines long. We have your daughter. We want the money. We'll call you. We'll call you. So it described themselves as a small foreign faction, which everybody kind of made fun of because who calls themselves And that's kind of weird. That. It doesn't even, I don't even know C- what that means. Right, and the CBS documentary <coughs> also had a guy who, who, rather than being a handwriting expert, looks at people's turns of phrase and how they express themselves 
and found little phrases in that letter that are ones Patsy used in her Christmas newsletter mm-hmm. and stuff, little weird turns of phrase. And it's funny because before we started recording, we were talking about this, and I said, oh, just like when that book Primary Colors came out, and th- that guy determined it was Joe Klein because he had gone through his articles. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google primary colors because we can't get into it. Right. And you said that, but that's the same type of thing. You, right. It's like a forensic linguist or something. People have markers in their speech and how they express themselves, the words they use, mm-hmm. and the way they use words that are unique to that person, almost as unique as a fingerprint. Yes. And there were many examples in that letter of the way Patsy expressed herself. And phrases from kind of from yeah. movies. And, yeah. and she knew a lot about the letter. She had told investigators that she had only read a couple paragraphs before she ran upstairs and saw Jean Benet was in her room and then screamed for John, the husband who came downstairs. But she was able to tell the 911 operator who the letter was from, which was at the end of it and stuff. So the letter, which is, as you said earlier, they both just denied that was her handwriting. Like if you just keep denying it. And it's not, it's not really distinctive handwriting, but it's not. It's distinctive. It's distinctive enough. It's not like it's block letters or, But even aside from the handwriting being similar is the fact that, as you said, they just denied her handwriting was her handwriting. I know. It was just the, so Just the fact strange. that they would not admit it. And the, the letter isn't so much evidence, oh, they did something. It's more like it's evidence that would tell you an intruder didn't do this. Yes. An intruder yes, didn't come yeah. in, mean to kidnap her, somehow kill her, somehow sexually assault her, and somehow sit down and write this letter. And on the CBS show, they all just copying wrote it, wrote the letter. It and took it took 20 like minutes? 21 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's right. And that was writing from copying, not writing from. They already thinking, knew what they were saying, yeah. And thinking about what you're going to say or takes a while. It. Yeah. And a lot has been made, and I agree that this is fairly relevant. The amount of money the so-called intruder or intruders asked for, $118,000, which, which is, is similar weird. to the bonus John But Ramsey it's got. weird. And why, but why do you think that anyone would put, like the person faking it, why would they? Here's what I think. I think that when you're in that position and your kid has just been killed and you're Let's say, for the sake of argument, the Ramseys were covering it up. You know, everybody can look back and say, oh, this was dumb. Why did somebody yeah. do this stupid thing? Why did somebody... But you're in the state of shock. You're desperately trying to do something. You don't necessarily think clearly on every single step. And that was a figure. And then John Ramsey on the A&E show pointed to an article that was in the Boulder camera. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That his company, Access Graphics, had had this big year, and he got this bonus. I don't think the amount of his bonus was in that article, but he said on the A&E show, and I thought hard about whether that article should be printed. And I'm always, like, as a journalist, so he could have stopped that article from being printed, which is a little weird. But I wonder if they thought that would sell the fact that it was an intruder who knew he had gotten this money. Oh, how are they going to know we have all this money? Well, the article is in the paper. Oh, I got the bonus. You know, you're not thinking but clearly. As somebody else pointed out, a guy that owns his own jet, which, you know, he's a pilot, wouldn't you ask for a million? Right. And it was 1996. It wasn't like 1940. Right. And they pointed out his friends thought it was weird because the Ramseys are worth millions. John Ramsey, if he had to, could have come up with a million dollars for his daughter why would you 
asked for that amount, and that struck everybody, not only his friends, but the police, as we were from the beginning, and the CBS documentary talked about that, whereas I don't think the A&E documentary talked about no. that at all. And again, that's not evidence that the Ramseys covered it up, but there aren't a lot of people who would know about that amount. And also the CBS documentary also offered a theory that that made it look like it was an insider, somebody who knew what his bonus was. So the fingers could be pointed at a disgruntled yeah, at a, a employee. He later gave police yeah. like, the names of disgruntled former <laughs> employees. And so the note isn't like, oh, this is evidence they did something. But it was clearly, to most of the investigators, a big sign that something was really weird it's about it. It's weird. This. And there's, I mean, it, it is evidence. No matter who wrote it. So, I mean, A&E, that, it kind of annoys me that that's all they said about it, and they kind of just, yeah, blah. Right. And the only I mean, fingerprints on. on it were Patsy's and John's. Mm-hmm. And, okay, you assume the intruders wore gloves. But if you were going to write something that long, you would. Like you said, you would write it. I would write it out beforehand. I'd probably type it, uh, or, or you know, on a computer or something, like in the library or print it. I mean, I wouldn't, even if I were going to write it, I would write it at home before I got there and leave it. And A&E, this would have been an opportunity for them if they wanted to debunk this major thing to talk about an early police theory or a DA's office theory or Lou Smith's, who we'll talk about later, but he was in the A&E thing theory, that the abductor disgruntled employee did that on purpose to frame the Ramseys but if he did, it was a real roundabout way, and he was giving... Well, but A&E could have talked about that. Okay, I'm going to use the Ramsey's pad. I'm going to use Patsy's pen. But then he knew where the pad and pen were, and the pen was actually put back where it was always kept. Well, he was a neat abductor. A, a neat abductor. But A&E could have talked about that if they had wanted to debunk the fact that the ransom note pointed to, you know, yeah. hurt the intruder theory. Instead, A&E just... They just didn't... Kind of ignored. Yes, they ignored it. Okay. The ransom note. So, and I think the ransom note is a huge, uh, important piece of evidence. And and, CB- and unfortunately, and CBS pointed out with the ransom note, as it pointed out with what was done to Jamine's body and stuff, that it was basically overkill. They were trying to oversell yes. their, their point, story, their yeah. story, and you know, they're two upper middle class entitled people who don't have a lot of familiarity with the criminal underbelly yeah. and crime investigations. So they wrote a ransom note. In, that would show, like in the movies. Like in, the, in fact, there were lines in there. There were lines from movies. From movies yes. in there that they, they had. Said Dirty Harry the, and from Dirty Harry and was it Ransom or one of those? Yeah, movies that they had in their DVD yeah. library or or video. And by library. the way, I'm not I sure they ever watched had. those kind of movies. The one where either. Liam Neeson's trying to get it. I find kid. them so uninteresting. Uh, but the Ramseys didn't, and they had them yeah, in their video so life. It's so, all, it's so it's them, funny that I. those lines, that the abductors would use lines from movies the Ramseys were familiar with. Yeah. So that's the ransom note. Okay. Okay. Right. Do you want to talk about the 911 call? Yes. Why don't you start? Uh, uh, Patsy called. She was frantic, saying, my daughter has been abducted. They found it telling on the CBS that she didn't mention her name, but I don't know if that's She said, that. I'm the mother. I'm the mother. I'm She's Patsy. Blonde. <laughs> she was very upset and frantic. I honestly don't think that was acting because her daughter was dead and she was probably freaking upset. The thing that I thought was weird is that she hung up the phone and usually you don't hang up the phone when you're on 911 until people get there. As the 911 operator said, who CBS interviewed, who said it was the first time anybody had ever... Including the police. Interviewed her, including the police. Which is very odd. And she was waiting for them to come talk to her and they never did. so weird. Said she thought it was weird Patsy hung up. 
Yes. And you can hear her on the phone saying, Patsy, Patsy, Patsy. Patsy thought she hung up, but she had put the phone on, you know, the old hook phones yeah. we had back in the olden days. And it didn't fully hang up. And the 911 op- operator thought it was odd that she could hear Patsy talking in the background. And her tone changed immediately from what she had been like with her. And people were talking. People and were she talking. also said that, and which they didn't talk much about, they just mentioned, but she said, Patsy said, well, we've called the police, now what? That's what she thought she heard in the background. That's what she thought she heard. And then this, and this is where the CBS documentary bugged me. In yes, and and this was the criticisms I heard a about recreation, it. Recreation, but they're like, re- oh, there's voices, let's listen and see what they can make out, and then they're trying to make out the voices, and it turned out the things they heard are things that real investigators who do that for a living had already determined had been said. Yes. And what had been determined was that there were three voices, a man's saying, we're not talking to you, a woman's saying something like, oh, Jesus, help me, Jesus, or something. Which sounds like something. And a young male voice saying, what did you find? That was in the CBS documentary, I think, felt like wasted a lot of time as they tried I to know, determine that was what was being they said. I know, just discussed it. Right, and this book I read by an investigator on the case said separate sound investigators, and I'm sorry, I don't know and what your they're book, called. And the book you were reading was 2012. Was, it came out in 2012. Okay. It's a self-published book by James So four Kohler. years ago. James Kohler, who was an investigator, like the third investigator on the case in the DA's office, who determined months into his investigation that, that the Ramses had something to do with it, though may not have killed Jomine, and that the abduction theory was false. He was appeared on the CBS one in some yes, instances. Yes. But he said in his book that separate sound, forensic sound people, and I'm sorry, I don't know the technical name, listened to those recordings, not having talked to each other, mm-hmm. and all came up with those same things yes. separately and independently of each other. And see, that would have been more useful for their purposes because one of the criticisms I read about the CBS documentary was people said that they were guilty of groupthink and they used that scene as one of the... Right. And so it's they like, come on, it's hokey. a reality show. It's hokey. Come on. Don't, uh, do you think that's really how they came up with that? Right. Yeah. So you're, it's traumatizing so, stuff. But that, it would have sold their story. And so yeah. you wonder, is the CBS, although it has good content, what's the real point of the documentary? Yeah, if you I would have rather that. have seen a more... I would have rather have seen somebody talk about these experts who came yes, up with it saying or the it experts. than see the FBI guy and the Scottish woman and the other people on, oh, I think they're saying, yeah, are I you know. hearing what I'm hearing? And you're watching the whole thing... And rolling your eyes. Rolling your eyes, and that takes you out of the story yes. they're trying to present. Be so that as it may, the Ramses had always said that Burke slept through the entire and thing, never came it. out of his room till John went and told him Jean Benet was missing, and then their friend Fleet White that morning, sometime between 7 and 8, took him over to his house. Mm-hmm. But that is a young male voice in the kitchen saying, what did you find? There's There was only three people in the house, mm-hmm. and that's a voice that's not Patsy's and not John's. And then John is saying, and this was telling to me, John's saying, we're not talking to you. And to me, if John had just discovered the body of his daughter, he would not have said... Well, he didn't discover her, supposedly, at that time. Say the daughter had been abducted. Yes. And they're ma- and they've just found out, they found this ransom yes. note, they're making this hysterical, emotional phone, 911 call to the police, your little boy comes wandering downstairs in his pajamas, your other child, why would, in what world do you say, in that stern yeah. father, pissy voice... 
we're not talking to you like you've done something wrong. So so then let's say they knew Jean Benet was dead. Mm-hmm. And this is total speculation on my part that they would have known for some time because you don't get to the I'm pissed at the kid, we're not talking to you, kind of go back to your room, young man type thing, when you immediately have just found out your daughter's dead. Probably don't even talk to the kid or you say, oh my God, get back to your room, we'll talk to you later or something, but you just don't say, we're not talking to you. Yes. And what little you can hear of that, it, he doesn't sound... It sounds like... It, well, I took you know, it to me not like, I'm not talking to you. It's more like, we're trying to do something, we're not talking to you. That's how I took it. I took it, I didn't take it like, I'm not talking to you. See, I took I'm it giving as... you the silence to me. I took it to mean, we don't have time for you. We're not talking to you. Oh, okay. We're talking see, to I, each other. Oh, oh, I see. That's I, how I took see, it. See, I took it as... We're not as, Right, as you've done something bad and you're in trouble right now, so you're not part of this conversation. Could be, or could be a but little bit But in any of case, it just seemed a weird statement. It is. It, the whole given, thing is weird. given if you take the reality of the situation on face value that what they said happened, happened, and there's no doubt that's what was said, that the child was in the room and that he said, what did you find? Yes. So they found something. Maybe they found the ransom note. Who knows? But it just seemed... Odd, given if you take the situation they said happened, yes. happened. Though the thing that bothered me about the A and E documentary is if they spent any time at all on that nine one one call, the, I, I couldn't even. Tell I them. don't remember. I they played it. They made fun of the CBS version of yes. what. Well, they didn't say it was a CBS version. Right. They made kind of downplayed. They had someone saying how ridiculous it was that that's what they said they heard. But they they made it sound like it was the CBS. But then you told me in this book that they had already come to that conclusion right. mo- it years ago. Right. It wasn't these people on CBS yeah. who, and it was years before. Yeah, was that's weird. That so they, Annie again could have made its case better if it wants to make the programsy abduction. Poor John and Patsy have been hounded their entire lives. They could have made a better case by presenting what the actual information on that was that independent forensic sound people had come up with years before that that's what was said, not that these hokey people... And why didn't they get their own experts to listen to it and say that, no, there's no way you can determine that that's what was said. Right, and so I Instead of just saying, oh, they just said, you know, it it didn't... Okay, so you say that that's not what it's saying. Well, do you have an expert that's saying there's no way to determine what's being said? Or that, you know, that's what they needed to do. And so they didn't... It was just present as as somebody who's as a journalist. It bothered me that they didn't accurately present the information. No. They mock other information without saying where it came from, without showing it fully, mm-hmm. and never said what the real story was. They don't make a good case for themselves no. by doing that. I but the A and E documentary bothered me so much in its lack of good reporting, it's rehashing of information that had been debunked years before, that after it was over, I tried to look it up all over on the internet to find out more about the producers and what their connection was to the Ramseys, because it just felt to me like this big blowjob for the Ramseys, to the point where it was just presenting information that had already been discounted. Yes. And not discounted by, like, the guys on CBS, but discounted by investigators in the case years and years before. Maybe the boogeyman story, someone coming in, is just more of an intriguing story for people. It's much more comfortable for for America, middle America, to think that a boogeyman's coming in than the rich folks down the street who you envy because they have so many nice things. And we can talk about the different, like, theories of what happened later. 
But but I do have a couple thoughts on the, all the different. But if you want to talk about white privilege, the Ramses yes. are a perfect example yes. of it, and yes. we can maybe talk about that more later because now we're going to talk about pineapple. And the pineapple. The pineapple, which I don't believe she had in her little tummy. She had traces of pineapple in her stomach. She had no traces of the dinner she would have had before, and they said it would have taken, and this is nothing new, it would have taken about four or five hours for her dinner to pass through. So uh, she obviously had the pineapple sometime after dinner. John said they came home from dinner at their friend's, the White's house. John Monet had fallen asleep in the car. He carried her to bed, although that's not initially what he told the police, but they don't say that on either documentary. Yeah. He initially told the police that she was awake and they went inside. Yeah. But... He put her to bed and took her shoes off and was let Patsy deal with getting her in her pajamas. Investigators found the next day a bowl on the It was right the there in the pictures. With milk and pineapple, which I guess is a southern delicacy that the kids liked to eat, and a glass that had a tea bag in it. The glass had Burke's fingerprints. The pineapple, the bowl of pineapple had Patsy's and Burke's prints. Although, they didn't say this on the CBS documentary, but Patsy's prints could have been on that bowl because she's the one who took it out of the dishwasher. Oh, yeah, the cover. yeah. And Burke fed himself the pineapple. Yeah. There was nothing showing Jean Monnet had been served pineapple, but yet she had some in her digestive tract, so she obviously ate some. No abductor planted the pineapple, force-fed her pineapple or something. And that's considered by investigators and by CBS a clue Yes. And CBS, as we said, both documentaries chose to show different parts of the interviews with Burke yeah. that were taped over three days <laughs> in 1998. The CBS one showed him being shown a picture of the bowl of pineapple. The investigator asked him, do you like pineapple? Yes, I like pineapple. I love pineapple. Blah, blah, blah. That was a treat. He had a, a nighttime snack. Nighttime yeah. snack. Then they show him the photo of the pineapple, the bowl of pineapple, and it's pretty clear what it is. And ask him what it is. And he's like, on the edge, he's like, he was very totally ignoring. And he's he's looking at, I don't know, I don't know what that is. And the guy said, do you think it's pineapple? And he's looking, I don't know. And obviously, there was something about the pineapple. Maybe he was told not to talk about the pineapple. Who knows? But he would not. It was kind of like them being shown the photos yes. of Patsy's it's handwriting. It's like denial. Those interviews were interesting. The one that, when he was first... That was a few weeks after her death. And then the one that was a couple years later made me feel like he knew something. And I remember um, even at the time of the murder, before I knew I had ever, we hadn't seen any of these interviews, I said to somebody, well, when the brother gets older, he'll probably tell what happened right. because at the time at, when it first happened I thought the parents had done something yes, I did too. I, I believe that and part of it was colored by which we haven't talked about but, but the reports the, of a sexual assault well the beauty the beauty, the beauty pageants queen. which we'll talk about yes. like a little bit later I was biased about it I don't remember the A&E documentary mentioning the they pineapple. They did not pi- mention it. And that the pineapple is considered a major piece of I evidence. I think it's a piece of because evidence. Because it, it, it speaks to someone's stomach. Is it, it speaks to what time they were up. Not yeah. being consistent, they said Jean Benet, as far as they knew, didn't get up. It speaks to the fact that she was active after dinner, and it shows that they weren't telling the truth. Yes. Again, if A&E felt that it wanted to support the Ramses and show there was an abductor, should have explained that pineapple. Yes. And how it got in her stomach, and because it becomes... And there was, I mean, it's not like... 
they had no pineapple in the house and and they could have said well maybe a, a mistake was made at the lab or some whatever bs there's a bowl of pineapple right friggin there on, on the, the table. table on their very messy table i know the house is very number one messy. messy but also i know it was 20 years ago but the decor, it, the decor was well, it was very bland it was like all white walls and just ugly more detailed accounts in either of these documentaries said that she kept the public rooms where people would come visit oh, stuff. Oh, nice. Christine. Yes. But the rooms the family lives in were Because the bedrooms were just looked disgusting. messy, too. Yeah. And Maybe she liked that a basement. cleaning lady. That I know the basement was gross it looked in the worse pictures. Than, it looked worse than anything we ever did. I know. Had. And I know we haven't talked about the window, but who breaks a window in June and in December still hasn't fixed it? I know. It. That was kind of weird. Back to the pineapple. Mm-hmm. The reason it's important, the CBS show's theory, and it isn't just their theory, it's the theory of some investigators, is that... The whole thing started when Jean Benet, because she and Burke had, yeah, uh, she snitched some of his. She snitched. She loved pineapple. She snitched some out of his dish, and he got mad and chased her around the house. He didn't deliberately kill her. Their little spat led to him accidentally killing her, Mm -hmm. hitting her with the flashlight, which maybe we should talk about. Too, yes. which couldn't be explained. There was a big mag We'll talk light. about Burke. I wanted later to talk about the main suspects, so maybe we can talk about all the stuff with Burke. Right, but the flashlight itself, as far as the yeah. weapon that hit her in the yes. head, it, the Ramses owned this big mag yes. light flashlight. And it was just top. sitting there. And, it was sitting and there. I have one just like that, right, a blue I do one. Too. I do, too. And, and They're they, very heavy. And, and it was sitting there weapon. on the kitchen counter. It turned out it was a gift from John's adult son, John Andrew. Which is kind of a weird gift, but, but you know, they're we nice give to our, have. They're nice to have. You know, we gave, give our We keep them under a, like, weird things. so we can grab them. But when the Ramses were first shown a picture, the, the cluttered counter, yeah. that they couldn't identify the flashlight. And then John Ramsey said later that it was because there was fingerprint dust on it, and it, so it didn't look the same, which is weird. The edge of the flashlight, the part where the beam comes mm-hmm. out, matches the fracture in her head mm-hmm. that is what i thought that evidence in the cbs documentary was very convincing i haven't heard anyone really refute that that's what could make that except for to say well why wasn't there blood everywhere and then the german was guy a closed head injury said that yeah he said it was a closed head and he said it can happen and Which then they tried it on that and people made fun of them Oh, yeah, his wife and Natasha Richardson. Natasha Richardson is a good example. That ski accident, she fell and hit her head, felt nauseous and dizzy. There was no blood pouring out of her head. She went home to lie down in her hotel room and and died from her head injury. That was sad. They said the injury would have rendered Chabonet unconscious, but it would have taken about an hour, 90 minutes for enough blood to fill her cranium to kill her. Some of the criticisms of that documentary made fun of the experiment little boy boy. but you kind of have to do it because people people who had said yeah a nine-year-old couldn't do that well here's a nine-year-old and here he's doing it a nine-year-old wouldn't have the strength to swing that flashlight but it does heavy it it doesn't take a lot of pressure to fracture the skull of a six-year-old no and also you know something heavy like that has its own momentum right i think and i'm no physicist 
a scientist who looks at shit stuff like that. (laughs) But something heavy like that, you start to swing it. And it hit her in the back of the head, like above her ear. So, and the funny thing is there are no fingerprints on it at all. Ah, And again, it it, it belonged to the Ramses. And what, that's the thing you got to think about. No fingerprints is weirder, especially for something like that. Because let's say you say the abductors were wearing... And why would you leave it right there, though? Right, the abductors were wearing gloves. And that's why there weren't the abductor's fingerprints wherever. Then why would the abductor wipe down the flashlight? Yet if this flashlight is just something the Ramses have in this kitchen drawer, which they said they did, their ha- fingerprints would be all over it. So you can't say the abductors were know, wearing gloves. I know. They're not going to waste the time to wipe the flashlight down. Wouldn't the abductor, like if you're going to co-abduct a kid, wouldn't you have a little abductor kit with I you? Would. I mean, I I'm not saying that to be flip either. But wouldn't you have... The tools. If you're like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to grab that pretty little blonde girl because I've seen her. You would be all set because it's part of your fantasy. I've seen her on TV or I saw her. I like to stalk these little pageants because there's a lot of pretty little girls. I'm going to, I know now where she lives because I saw whatever on TV and I'm going to go over there and, or I, I toured their house because, you know, she had those house tours. Two years before, by the yeah. way, although A&E made it sound like it was that year. First of all, from what <laughs> Watching true crime shows, we know that if you're going to abduct somebody, you go to Home Depot or Lowe's. And, and use you your credit card, too. And make sure you, and and make sure you smile keep, for the camera. And keep the receipt in your yeah, car. Yeah, keep the receipt. And you walk right. in there in your shorts and yeah. or whatever, and you buy a Rubbermaid container and some duct tape and a hammer and yeah. all the things you're going to use in your abduction because you're so excited because it's part of the whole thing yes. that you're preparing. That you're but as they pointed out in the CBS documentary, which again, the A&E documentary didn't address, there's two different crimes going on here. There's the sexual predator mm-hmm. who saw her in the beauty pageants and lusted after her and oh. wanted to sexually assault her. But we know that's an I know. So you don't have to look so sad. I'm sorry. And then there's the abduction for money. And the FBI guy said those two things don't mix. No. People either abduct and sexually assault the kid and kill and her. And they're not going to bother to write a note because they and don't give a shit. And they're not going to sit there and write a They're taking the kid right. and they're getting out of there. Or they go to kidnap the kid for the money. They're not going to take the time to sit there and sexually assault oh, her yeah. in the house, even if they did write the note and everything. Oh. The two crimes, I'm saying this because yes. this is what the FBI investigators, not only the ones on the CBS show, which mm-hmm. they pointed out, but other ones say, you have one or the other. You, you, the two things just yeah, don't I know. happen together. And I think, again, it shows people who watch all sorts of movies and have certain assumptions in their and they don't, in their middle yeah. class life about what the crime and even probably like. never read true crime books like us right you know and what it's I mean like let's I mean, just I'm throw not, everything yeah. in the pile and well it worked didn't it no one's ever been arrested but what really worked is that the Ramses just have not talked to the cops and, and they're also wealthy and they're wealthy and politics kept the DA's office from ever bringing charges mm-hmm. against them which and the police well they screwed things up at the beginning the police investigation just continuously pointed to the fact that it wasn't an abduction and, and the, the DA's, DA's office and DA's elected position refused and you know if, the, if that were people in a lower class or minorities they would have been hauled down to oh, that police station and spoken to right away instead of being able to go to months and months lawyer up go on CNN and give interviews but you're still not talking I to know. the police. I know. It's crazy. So how are the police sp- supposed to investigate a case when the parents of the abducted, then killed child won't talk to them? And it, that's one of the biggest indictments of the Ramses. If their daughter was abducted and killed by somebody else, 
why are they acting like... I know. And I'm not just talking about the whole getting a lawyer to yes, protect yourself. I'm, I'm talking about refusing to talk to the I know, police. I know. I and agree. Trying, the police letting them kind of get away with it. Politics being too... Well, the DA, I mean, the police have to do their job. The DA has a different job. Right. I don't understand. The, the police finally handed off, and this wasn't in either of the documentaries as far as I know. In 2002, the police handed off the case to the DA's office because... The police chief knew there was nowhere else they could go with it because their theory was that the Ramseys were covering up what really happened. The Ramseys didn't cooperate with police from day one and still weren't cooperating with them. The DA would never charge the Ramseys with anything, so the police chief said, We've wasted. They I'm spent, sure they spent a from, lot of money. From 1996, December 26, 1996 to 2001, according to the book by the DA investigator James Kohler that I'm reading. They spent $1.7 million on this investigation. And I'm not saying you can put a price on a child's life, but a if lot you're not going to have a resolution. Now, a lot of that had to do with the Ramseys not cooperating. Do you know what the... So one of the issues with the A&E documentary, if we're talking about the DA and the police, is that they based, it seemed, most of the show on... Lou Smits, who had been the yeah. first DA investigator on the case, and the DA had actually taken him off the case because he had gotten too close to the Ramseys, including having prayer vigils with them yeah. outside the house. What's that all well, about? Well, he was a good Christian, and he decided early on that the Ramseys had nothing to do with it, and there was an abduction, and there was a lot made of him slipping through the window. He and the police differed greatly on the window evidence. The window was a window in the basement that John Ramsey had broken in June to get in, and you had to slide through. The, there was a grate and then a window well, and you had to slide mm-hmm. in to get through the window. And Lou Smith wasn't a big guy. He was under six feet tall, oh, okay. and he he was thin. When he went through that window, his hips filled the width of the window. Mm-hmm. And yet police investigative photos from the day of the investigation show a big spider web, and it wasn't a new one. There was a little bit of debris there and stuff that anybody sliding through that window would have taken with them. And there was also some debris on the windowsill that as the butt slid across the windowsill, which it would have had to do because of the size of the window, would have knocked off. And would it have, was there debris inside? They didn't mention that, but I would think there, there was like a there shard of glass and stuff. Yeah, there was a shard of glass on in top of in a suitcase, a Samsonite yes. hard shell suitcase on its end underneath the window. The window was about four feet from the floor which the theory was the abductors would get on to get out the window. Although if you're carrying, if they were going to carry her out, it would have been hard to do on a, try standing on a suitcase See, that's upended. The, but, but also there was a smudge on the wall, a scuff mark, yes. and there's no way to tell how old that scuff mark is. Now A&E had said that this is evidence well, yeah. somebody came in that window. The police believe that John Ramsey left the scuff mark. The Ramseys obviously didn't clean their cellar very often. I know. Left the scuff mark on the wall when he came in. When he And he told police that he had locked himself out of the house. He came in. He broke the window, which they had never fixed. Came in that window. Had taken his clothes off. Stripped down to his underwear. You can't see the window from the back alley. or the, mm-hmm. It's in a weird place. But had left his dress shoes on. Okay. I once... No, I won't. I was going to say once dated somebody like that. But, um, <laughs> but that, that scuff mark, there's no way to tell how old it is. And yet the A&E documentary is showing this was left by the abductor. Well, how do you know? I was thinking, you know, even Burke and his friends could have tried climbing up the wall. Well, the other thing marks. is, the thing that bugs me about that, when I saw that Lou Smith's guy, that theory about the that he was going to climb up with a suitcase. Well, okay, you went into the house up to her bedroom 
took the kid, brought her down to this room, sexually assaulted her, and killed her. And then you're going to take her, or, okay, first you, you're going to abduct her. So you're going to take her back down in that room? Why don't you just go out the friggin' front door? I know. You've already gone because all the way up the stairs. in the house. The back, yeah, but he her could... bedroom was in the back of the house. And you know how they recreated yeah, the house? But John Ramsey said the they, had five, they had five doors into the house. John Ramsey said that yeah. in one of the things I saw. So that's, why go through a window? Why would you go through that window? Well, you could go through when any window. You're when you're leaving. In, right, when you're leaving. When you're coming in, it's right. one thing. But when you're leaving, you're going to... The gonna... other, Lou Smits and the police, I guess, went back and forth. Lou Smits just insisted they could have come through the window. And the police said, well... The window evidence shows there was debris. Yeah. It was dirty. The windowsill was dirty. It they have plenty disturbed. of pictures of it. Here's another place where the A&E documentary just presented something that had been debunked. They showed the grate outside. It was a mm-hmm. grate to keep debris from getting in the window. Yeah, well, into the window leaves well, and yeah. stuff. It wasn't a security grate. You could easily lift it off. Had foliage kind of growing up in between it and the cement of the patio. And Lou Smith said that obviously meant somebody had just recently done that and crushed the foliage, but the police saw that there was a space there and the foliage was just naturally growing through the space. And yet on A&E, they showed that photo. They didn't show the one of the spider web. Yeah. They showed Lou Smith's going through the window, showing how you could get through. Well, duh, we know you can get through the window because John Ramsey did. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought was weird, too. John Ramsey had already gone in through that so, window. So the only evidence is, yeah, somebody can go through the window. But the foliage quote-unquote evidence, have been discounted years and years ago, and here A&E presents it as though, again, it's, oh, this new evidence that's showing something. All it showed was, yeah, foliage is going through the grate. How can they show that and not talk about the spider web and the debris? I know, I know, I know. Talk about cherry picking. Yes. Well, okay, that room she was found in. Why would... So it was a room with no windows. There was one of those toggle pieces of wood up at the top that kept it closed so you couldn't, from the inside, open it. Probably to keep the kids from going in there because it was the wine cellar. Even though it was just like a gross room with a bunch of crap in it. It was a gross room with a bunch of crap in it. And it was dark. There were no windows. And... When the first police officer came and looked through the house, and they talk about this possibly in both documentaries, but I know on the CBS one, he didn't go in there. He saw that it was closed. Yeah. And at the time, they were talking about an abducted child. Yeah. And he just felt, I guess, the room had nothing to offer. You know, the Ramseys, as soon as they called the cops, also called some family friends, yes. including the Whites, the people they had dinner with the night before, to come over. And so the Whites came over, and Fleet White, John Ramsey's friend, former friend now, mm-hmm went down and looked around the basement. He opened that door, and the room was so dark, he couldn't see anything in there. The light switch, I guess, was in a weird place. He Mm -hmm. couldn't find a light switch, and he closed the door. Later, John Ramsey, when the cops, basically to keep him busy, according to the CBS documentary, asked him to search the house. And I actually heard that from another source, too. But the the cop, Linda Arndt, was supposed to accompany him, and the FBI agent had suggested that Basically, because so, he wanted her to keep an eye on John Ramsey, who was flitting around the house. Patsy was sobbing in the parlor. John immediately went to the cellar. Fleet White followed him. I guess the cop was somewhere far behind. She didn't get what the... I don't think she, she got I don't think she met. understood no. her instruction. 
But he went, they looked in the room, the train room it's called, because Burke's <laughs> toy train was in there. A, a Along with a bunch of debris. Carpet debris. <laughs> That's the room with the window. Sorry to be so judgmental. It's not I like I'm a neat like, freak. But I, I, I'm obviously not, but I always feel like after watching a true crime show, I should be sure to keep my house clean because if something happened and I were on a well, true I crime always show, feel people like, would see like your Wow, party. I'm not as bad as I thought I was. Yeah, I know. In any case, after they went in the train room and John talked to Fleet White about the window was broken, yeah, because I did they he went to the wine cellar room fleet was right behind him john ramsey apparently opened the door and started yelling oh it's jamine it's jamine then turned on the light yeah and he told police later he saw the white blanket there's no way john ramsey could have seen her he told the police later he saw the white blanket and knew she was under it and the police recreated several times the same time of day the yeah. same light conditions what can you see in this room and it was just a dark, dark windowless room, you know, uh, on yeah. a December morning in the back of the house where no sun was really yeah. coming in the cellar anyway. You could not see what was on the floor. And even if you could see, like, something there, you're not going to know it's a child's body under a blanket. And he turned on the light after he called yeah. the name. The other thing about that room is they found part of a footprint from a high-tech brand boot, Mm -hmm. which was theorized by Lou Smith, among others, that it belonged to one of the abductors. It turned out the FBI agent who was there that morning who went into that room wore that brand Uh. boot. And also Burke, according to some friends and according to somebody who saw them after Patsy Ramsey bought them months before, Burke had that brand of boot. When those boots of Burke's were never found and never, although the family resisted, the police tried for months and months and months and months to get clothes, the clothes the family was wearing that day from them and was not completely successful in ever getting all the clothes. I can understand, say, if the families, oh, we're, we want you to find the abductors, leave us alone. On the other hand, the police are saying to the family, and this is a recurring theme, we have to do this. You are in the house. We need to eliminate yeah. you. And the family was just not cooperating yeah. with him. And who else gets to do that? I know. I who don't. Gets to I don't do get that? that. I don't even. I wouldn't even occur to me. Yeah. You know, we talked about Ayla Reynolds a couple of weeks ago. The DePietro yeah. family didn't get to do that. They were kicked out of their yeah, house. Yeah, they were. It's a. It's a little scary. You know. I know. On one hand. If the police want to talk to you and you haven't been charged, you don't have to talk to them. Yes. You don't have to go to the police station. You don't have to answer any of their questions. You can but get if you're actually walk- trying to find an answer, and there's no reason for the police to want to frame these rich white people. Why would they want to? F- I don't want to get into a whole other story, but, you know, the staircase, which was Michael Peterson mm-hmm. in North Carolina, he had written newspaper columns critical of the police and he was kind of snarky about them and stuff so yeah there's maybe a case where for the sake of argument police would want to frame somebody this there was never any reason brought up why and john ramsey and his lawyer and everybody's theory was that they're just too stupid to be able to and it was a rush to judgment right they're going with the easiest thing instead of trying to find out who did it we should probably talk about the beauty queen Aspect. Yeah, I think that the beauty queen aspect definitely colored what people thought. It created a bias against them. It, it opened up the uh, speculation for sexual abuse. We and I'm guilty of that myself. Right. I mean, and thinking that about the, the father. Like, I will say it bothered me from the beginning. 
and it still happens that she was constantly called a beauty queen and i kept saying she's a six-year-old child she's a little girl she's not a beauty queen and she was sexualized by her pageant stuff because that's what pageants do they, they make do women they objectify women and make them sexual objects and it doesn't matter if that woman is two, three, and she, four, and five, you know, six years old. Plain dress up to the little girl is plain dress up. She I, doesn't. I mean, I don't think that the li- a lot of those little girls. And it's girls, also pleasing mom. But their mom and uh, I mean, it's a very it. weird. It's a weird thing, but I. And one good thing about the CBS documentary, I think it was maybe the third hour when they finally even mentioned the beauty yeah. conditions. Yeah, it's a splashy thing. There's tons of footage of In her fact, and pictures. They make it makes great magazine covers and, that's what made it and such clips. A big story. Yes. And it, it helps uh, yes, sell yes. the sexual yes. assault aspect. Oh, a pedophile will get all. And they probably did. On the other hand... That's the other reason I think they're gross, that Patsy. I don't think that... I mean, Patsy, she was, she was from, from the Georgia. South. Yeah. She was Miss West Virginia, though, so she... Well, what little I know about pageants is... It's just a lot you of... You enter a lot of them yeah, wherever you are. She went to the University of West Virginia, yeah. so... And she, in that part of the country, they're more... It's more maybe of she was from practice. West Virginia and then moved to Georgia. Yeah, probably. They're from the Atlanta area. I'm not saying I accept it, but it's not something that people... Where she came from, it's not something that people think is deviant or something. Whatever so, people think about it, I don't think it had anything to do with the crime, no, except no. for the fact, and I'm not saying the, the Ramses did this on purpose, after the fact, it made it easy to buy the pedophile angle. Yes. Not only was JonBenet sexualized by wearing makeup and sexy clothes as a six-year-old, bleaching her hair. but she was in a Christmas parade a couple weeks yeah. before with her name on the float. She had sung in a mall mm-hmm. a few days yes. before. People had an opportunity to see her when yes. they may not see your little girl walking to and from school or whatever yeah. she does. You don't have to keep making the I'm a mom frowny face. I'm not. It just makes me sad. I know. It makes you sad. It doesn't make me sad because I'm not a mom. No. No, it's hard. It's, I, mean, I understand. But in any case, I give the CBS documentary credit for not playing up the whole beauty no, queen and not calling her a beauty queen. Yes. The A&E thing had a little more of, you know, that video we've all seen of her twirling around oh, with her yeah. parasol. But the whole sexual assault thing... The Annie documentary, and this is when I first, aside from it opening with John Ramsey making excuses for himself, and I thought, okay, maybe it's going to turn the corner a little after doing that, but it said she was sexually yes. assaulted. And it was never There's proven no she was sexually assaulted. There's no proof that she was. There were some minor injuries that could have been caused by a lot of different things. Yes. And she had been to the doctor many she had, times. She did have bladder issues. And that wetting. Bed wetting, which, which can cause irritation in that area. I used to wet the bed um, when I was her age until I was probably about seven. And I also had a very weak bladder. And I had lots of irritation. Right. I can understand where, but there was she no proof the, that she was, right. yeah. She went to the pediatrician 33 times in three years, which is a lot. If the fact that her mother thought there was something wrong with her because right. she was wetting the bed then she would keep bringing right. it like and if there's a bladder infection i had right. a bladder infection but yeah. what i'm saying is that doctor never saw signs of sexual abuse mm-hmm. and if the mom was bringing her there in, at least in part because she was having bedwetting issues he would have seen they do and and, he, and the one the one i saw interviewed and i believe this was on the a and e one or it was on another it wasn't on the cbs one he said that he would be looking for those kind of things and boys and girls because that's probably a symptom of sexual abuse. Right. And one of the issues of the A&E documentary is that it made it sound like any 
issues, vaginitis and stuff she had had before this were one thing. Oh, and, and then what they found that night was a different thing, and that it's was, not has true. not been established. Because they talked about that on the right. CBS Right, they didn't find anything There different. was nothing out of the ordinary. Right, and the DNA, there was a tiny bit of trace DNA on her underpants that mm -hmm. couldn't be attributed to anyone. Back in 1996, they didn't have the forensics to fully examine that because it was such a tiny, tiny, tiny amount. The A&E documentary made it sound like this DNA was evidence somebody had abducted and sexually assaulted her. And on this CBS documentary, they proved that it could have even come from whoever packaged the yeah. underwear. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean she was assaulted right. regardless it, of where it came from. It could be from anywhere. It could be from anyone. Yeah. It could be from somebody picking her up. But all it was was DNA that can't be accounted for, and it was such a small amount. When they examined it back in the 90s and later, they couldn't even tell if it came from blood yeah. or semen. They can't, still can't tell where it came from. They can just tell it's male DNA. So that's how small it is. But it's not evidence. In the A&E documentary, kept calling it evidence of sexual assault. And that's a huge leap to say that this little tiny bit of unidentified DNA is, is evidence leap. of sexual and the, assault. And was it the DA or the mayor, the one that exonerated that them? That was the DA, and she didn't have the power to exonerate no, them. No, and, and she did, it, was a, it was weird. And it's that's ongoing. bizarre. So she came out when the, when they were able to examine yes. it later in later years, and it showed it didn't come from anybody in the Ramsey. It was like 2008 Ramsey. or something. Right, anybody in the Ramsey family. She said she apologized yeah. to them publicly and exonerated them, and the police were really upset because this is still an open case yeah. and you don't exonerate people it's, it's just weird that was it, a weird thing is, to do so do you want to talk about the different theories of and what right they think so the of them? cbs documentary came up with the theory that Birkin and had kind of you could call it sibling rivalry on steroids maybe yeah he the summer he before issues. he had hit her in the face with a golf club Mm -hmm. which seemed almost kind of brushed off by the family. She had a little scar on her face from it. And their theory is that she came downstairs, she kind of skipped into the kitchen, he was there eating his pineapple, and the bowl was still almost full. So you got to feel like something happened with the pineapple. Yeah. You don't get up and go to bed and leave, maybe a nine-year-old boy does, but, you know, Mom's going to come down and dump that pine. You're yeah. not going to leave that on the, I know. as dirty as their house with was. With milk in. But so she reached in and took some of the pineapple, because there was just a little bit, and ate it, and it pissed him off. And he went chasing her through the house and at some point hit her with the flashlight. Mm -hmm. The abrasions, we haven't really talked about the taser, but there were two spots on her oh, back yeah, we and didn't one talk on her about neck. That. And we'll just say that Lou Smith's always said it was from a taser. That was discounted by the police years before. It was shown that they didn't really match up to a taser. No taser fit those dots. That his evidence, he had done some on a nesticide pig. But the but the dots weren't the same distance apart or anything And they else. actually said that on the CBS one. They, that they did. A&E made it again sound like it yes. was definite. She, even though it had been totally discounted yes. by investigators yes. that she had been, that a stun gun had been used and on her. And the thing that no one explained well enough, and I heard two totally different things, the CBS documentary and the A&E documentary about the stun gun. CBS had that silly experiment with that poor cop where they kept, kept stunning him <laughs> and he kept jumping up. And that, but then A and E said that that was a stupid experiment because on a six-year-old it would be totally different. Fine, but what does I wanted Stuns. one of them to say? Yeah, but does it stun or it stops you? That guy jumped up in the air when he got and stunned. And he said he was full of adrenaline. He didn't get stunned. It he, would stop, it would you, stop from you from whatever you're doing because it's like ah. Right, and the theory with the stun gun had been 
that her abductors had, had when they first came to her in her bed, stunned her so that she wouldn't... Why wouldn't you... Okay, but why wouldn't you just put um, chloroform? Chloroform. Because they chose to use a stun gun instead. Or why don't you inject her? But I mean, in any you know case, what I'm saying? In any case, the A&E presented that as though it were true evidence. Yes. And they based a lot, again, on Lou Smith's... On the piggies. Investigators on every side, the DA's office and the police, didn't feel that a stun gun was used. The little dots on Jean Benet were at a different distance. didn't match up with the stun gun that Lou Smith said it matched up with. And the DA, the book I'm reading by the DA investigator, who was two guys after him, said there was actually no scale photographs that showed the stun gun. There were yeah, the big no ones. Way to because even though they have photographs of her injuries, they didn't do a and, scale and it was telling that they didn't have one because the evidence didn't fit. Yes. You know, if and the even dots if, don't fit. Even if you even if you didn't have a scale and you were just estimating by even if it's off an eighth of an inch, that means it's not the thing. Right. It's, and he they're was, precise. It's a machine. It's and a stun Lou gun. Smiths decided it was a stun gun that that meant the parents couldn't have done it because they wouldn't have had to use a stun gun on Chaminet. And A and E again went along with something that was has been discounted yes. years ago by multiple investigators as evidence that it was an abductor. So that's just total garbage evidence that was yes, discounted years ago by everyone. Was. And also, didn't you say that one of the, I don't think they brought this up on um, CBS so much, but somebody said there was no way to know whether those were burns or right, what, what type of injury they were. Right, but the medical said they were abrasions, not They were burns. abrasions, yeah. The and then that German guy. CBS <laughs> documentary was, as you can see, when you look at the train room, which is outside of the wine cellar in the basement, there Burke has his train track, and there's pieces of... Train track. track all over the and house, and it did match perfectly. And anyone who's had one of those sets knows they're very, they're pointy little yeah. lines on each piece of track, and they matched them up. They matched up with the abrasions on Jean Benet's back. And the theory of the CBS documentary is that Burke, you know, they had this altercation. He hit her with the flashlight, you know, being a kid and not saying, "Oh, I'm going to kill her," but just because he's pissed off and she's pissed him off one too many times, and he hit her with the flashlight. And then he poked her with the train track to see because she wasn't moving because she was unconscious. It. And they don't say what happens after. My theory is that he he's nine, doesn't know she's dead, but no, oh, I did ran up to bed. Yeah, ran up to bed and pretended he wasn't around. And somebody so that's CBS. And I can tell you something about kids poking. <laughs> when I was when I was a kid, I have a it's still like a tattoo type blue dot on one of my butt cheeks. From our brother Jimmy stabbing me with a pencil when I was That's right. about I was little. He was he's three years older. He was probably seven or eight, and I was yeah. four or five. I was he was chasing me. He was mad about something, and he did. And he wasn't trying to kill you. Kill you? Well, maybe he was, but you know, when you're that age, you don't think that way. So Annie's theory is based on the evidence. Loose. A lot of it is most not. have been discounted. The DA's office like, took him off the case and replaced him because. He got too close to the Ramses. He wasn't being objective, and a lot of his evidence didn't hold up. And the guy died a few years ago. Yes. And Annie used a lot of video of him talking and stuff, and based 
their pretty much their entire documentary yes, on this guy's theories. Annie's documentary confused me because I knew a lot of this stuff. It was old news. It was yes. old news. Nothing in it was new. Nothing and the one was thing new. they claimed was new. They were the first ones to show parts of the Burke yes. Ramsey interviews. But they didn't really show ones that told you they much didn't of show anything. Much, no. And so it seemed to me just a big apology or support oh, for the Ramseys no. to the point where I said, somehow John Ramsey and or his friends must have, <laughs> I'm serious, it, yeah. must have payrolled, it must have produced this documentary. I really thought that and I went online and I didn't have a lot of time to do it, but tried to find out the producers, the mills, and I couldn't really find out that much, and I didn't really totally expect to be able to find out. I, I was hoping somebody would have reported it after watching it. I know. It wasn't very enlightening at no, all. No, in fact, Rolling Stone magazine did stories about both documentaries and crapped all over the CBS one and like the A&E one, and I thought, well, once again, Rolling Stone magazine shows that it is no longer a valid journalism. I saw several criticisms of both, and I thought some of the criticisms were just easy. You know, what's interesting to me is they both took a, a stand, but what would be really interesting is an in-depth documentary about it that wasn't trying to solve the case, but just told you everything that would, had gone on. It's an interesting right. case. Right, and, and the problem is the CBS one had do the the hokey reality show people being on the phone and then oh, the, and, and and the dumb though, experiment right and they gathered all these experts but it made it look like they're all gathering for the first time yeah i know it's like so they do on stupid. reality shows instead of doing it legitimately yeah and i wish they had just taken those same experts who are all good and experts shown them and done a legitimate yes. thing and instead of having the pretend let's decipher what's on this nine one. i'm gonna call. call alex hunter right now hi alex yeah what's <laughs> up they should have presented it as yeah. what it really was, yeah. and that would have sold their theory much better and made it more PBS ish. And A and E, I just don't understand what they did there. It was it was just trying to make money because of the twentieth anniversary because right. they did not was, shed any light. And was, I have to say, I I have a lot of sympathy for John Ramsey. The man lost two of his daughters. Right, one his, had died in a one car died in a, and then and then his wife died of ovarian cancer. She was sick for a while before that, and then she got sick again. I mean, I feel bad for the man. He has been through a lot. I don't doubt for a minute their their grief and their loss. My frustration with them is if they really are innocent of any cover-up or anything, why were they, they were, it, it wasn't even they were uncooperative. I know. They played games they with the did. media. They did. They tried to make deals with the police. Yeah. They discredited the police. They threw a lot of friends under the bus. Yes. It was the all CBS, for their son. Well, for their son and for their self-image. Yeah. The CBS theory, which I think is the most valid yes, theory I've I think heard it is of too. any, including abduction or the yes. the one that we won't even talk about, about Patsy doing it. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Is that the only way that John and Patsy would have colluded on this kind of cover-up was if Burke had done it. Yes. I don't think their love for each other, I mean, I'm not saying they didn't love each other, but if one of your, if your spouse had done that to your child, you would, you would not, yeah. And they're protecting the one child they have left together, and also protecting, obviously, image was important to to them. Let me tell, I just want to say about Burke, from seeing the interviews with him, and I, I couldn't watch the Dr. Phil interview when it was first on, and I cannot find it now to watch it, the, the full interview. I just could watch a bunch of clips, which was really difficult. But despite his weird demeanor, I thought both the interviews with him when he was a child, the second one where he's older, he acts a little, he's, he's acting kind of, not cocky, I hate to say cocky, but he, he doesn't. He's <sighs> acting like a 
kid who's being coy and playing yeah, games. Yeah, he's being coy. But he also, when they first interview him, I honestly think that if he did, I think that their theory is the most plausible one, that he had, he had something to do. He hit her in the head. I don't think he knew what had happened to her, and he wasn't, I don't think he realized if he, she was dead. And maybe part of this cover-up is to protect him so he's off the hook in his mind. I know this yeah. sounds weird, but, like, if we pretend that somebody else did this, he won't know that he did it and he won't have to live with it the rest of his right. life. Like, there are people that cause the death of their siblings when they're kids and the rest of their life. I've I- never thought about that, but... I don't, and I understand what you're saying, I don't feel it. I feel that they said they had this knee-jerk reaction, oh my God. Let's protect our son, mm-hmm. yeah. Let's protect our son and, and our, our reputation. Yes, our reputation. We don't want to have to deal with what's going to come down yeah. if our boy killed our daughter. I don't think they were necessarily thinking right No, I don't think so, too. I don't think it's just saying, okay, let's sit down and No, 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 no. And that's why it was so fucked That was up. How it was so weird. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But, but I it also think that came from a place of white privilege yes we can get away with this yeah. and for we 20 years they have yes because they've gotten away with something and we may never know exactly and i what. think that he's i think that he at first did not know and maybe now he has come to the realization i didn't see enough of the dr phil interview to to say and i know people had problems with the way he acted like his weird smile and stuff but he was a kid. He was on Dr. Phil. On Dr. Phil. And he's like 29, but he looks young. And well, he actually, you figure. He's nervous. Past, he's, his life has pretty much ended at nine years yeah. old. And whatever he knew he did or didn't know he did or whatever he did or may have done. And even if he didn't do anything, he's been in this really weird place I for know. 20 years. And who's going to grow him. up to be a normal person? A lot of what I'm saying is based on what that photographer lady said in the in both documentaries. In the, she was interviewed, and she, the, she and this was a woman who who was friends with the Ramses until she took those photos that a lot of people seen the kind of soft focus ones yeah, of Patsy Bur- and Jean yeah. cuddling up to each other and Burke and and Jean and she was pretty much cut off from the family the day after she this talked, happened. Well, no, it wasn't the day after, but it was she talked to the police. Well, she's the one that said that he had some anger issues and I'm not saying it was out of the ordinary but he probably could have used a lot of counseling at that age when he's constantly going after his sister hitting her with a golf club which a lot of kids do stuff like that I'm not saying that it's like he was out to kill her but maybe they could have had some kind of help for him or maybe Patsy could have realized hey I lavish attention on our daughter Maybe he needs some attention. And there's no doubt that Jean Benet got putting poop on her Christmas candy, Christmas candy, and which is beyond the norm of what siblings who are. And there was that other. poop found in her bed, and you said the investigator book you read said that she assumed Jean Benet did it. Assumed Jean Benet did it, but they found poop smeared on Jean Benet's Christmas candy. And that's and the type of thing somebody that's doing. That's and what they people about do. That again, it's this, something that people do a lot when they're when doing hostile things. Hostile. They poop on. And they things. talked about that on the CBS. Even cats do it. Yeah, they, <laughs> they talked about that on the CBS documentary and didn't mention it at all Mm-mm. on the A&E one. I mean, there's no doubt with JonBenet's pageant stuff and everything that she was getting a lot of Patsy's attention. She and Patsy, Patsy and you know how boys and their mommies are, especially old. He was the first baby, and, and I'm sure he got a he lot was... of attention the first three years of his life. And John Ramsey wasn't around that much. He was a no. businessman and the kind of guy who let his wife yeah. do, run the kids and run the house. You know, I think we know a lot of kind of old-fashioned people like yeah. that. 
the kids are the wife's thing and the house is the well, wife's thing. Well, especially if you're wealthy. There's a lot of people that would stay home with their kids. So anyway, the, that's we're not doing reviews and recommendations this week because our entire show was... Yes. One thing I'll say about this theory about Burke is I, with a lot of these crimes, you always think about Occam's razor. And what is the most plausible, simple explanation for what happened to her? If you strip away all the evidence, just look at what could possibly happen. There were three people in the house. There isn't really any evidence that somebody else There's was there. There's no evidence of an abduction. And some of the abductions theories have up to like four people being in there. And there's just, it's just impossible that that happened. Something happened to her. She was hit on the head. And and actually, you know what? I'm sad that she died and everything. But every time I heard that Lou Smith, his theory creeped me out so bad. I'm glad that's not how she died, that she was tortured and strangled to death and sexually assaulted. And he did seem to tell it with a lot of relish. It bothered me. And one thing, and this is something that always bothers me, is there's a big tendency among people, particularly people who come from quote-unquote good backgrounds and have have had lives without a lot of discrimination or hardship, to think in this us-and-them mentality. Yeah. And so it's easier for everybody to say, well, obviously some really bad monster, horrible person did this to JonBenet because people like the Ramses, who we don't know, what do we know about them? They're, they're very wealthy or were well thought of, we assume they're white, yes. Church going. Church going people. And so obviously they couldn't do something that would bring harm to their child if they were a minority, if they were poor, if they were Justin DePietro, if Ayla they lived in a trailer. Then it's so easy for someone to believe. And you think about the Ayla Reynolds disappearance and the Jean Benet Ramsey case. And the only real difference is that Jean Benet was found dead in the basement. Mm-hmm. If you take away all this stuff, the ransom note, and all this other crazy stuff, most of which has been discounted, there's actually more evidence in the Jean Benet Ramsey case that the parents were somehow involved yes. in what happened than there is in the mm-hmm. Ava Reynolds case. And yet everybody, quote unquote, knows that somebody in that house did something to Ava Reynolds. Yes. And there are people who believe that the Ramses couldn't possibly have had anything to do with what John Bonet and the whole difference is status okay, well, and your yeah. place in society. Yes. That's the only reason. What do we know about the Ramses? Nothing except for they had a big house that was disturbingly dirty <laughs> in some places and a lot and of money. And poorly designed. And a lot of money. Otherwise, why do we believe? Because it's us and them. We don't want to believe that people we think are good or pillars of society, and I really get tired of on all these true crime shows hearing people who have committed awful crimes described as churchgoers. I know. Because all that means to me is they go to church. I know. It doesn't, it doesn't make them anything. better than anyone yeah, else. I know. As it, we know from watching true crime yes, shows. Yes, if you want, yes. Where a lot yes. of churchgoers do bad things. Yeah. When you think about it, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors mm-hmm. and things that don't matter. And when yes. it comes down to it, most of the stuff that's evidence of an intruder not only doesn't pass the straight face test, but has been discounted by yeah, all investigators. Not, there's nothing there. And I'm really disturbed as a journalist, and I know A&E documentaries aren't journalism, 
but you throw something on TV that's just a bunch of bullshit. I know. And sell it and people believe it, it's it's bothersome to me. But I'd say there's a couple things that, that I've been thinking about. First of all, if they had just been forthright with the police and said a tragic accident happened, number one, even if he had been old enough to charge, he may not have been charged. But he was too young to, to even be charged with anything. So it wouldn't have been news. If they had said our son has done something, he accidentally hit her and she died, that wouldn't have been news. If they had lied and said she fell down the spiral staircase because she went to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and got confused, that wouldn't have been news either. I mean, they made it news. And I do believe that, like I said, the CBS theory has made the most sense to me. But I feel like if it is true, they didn't do it because they're evil or or because they're malicious. They did it because they were trying to protect their son. I don't think it was the right way to do it or the right thing to do. And I think it's totally messed him up because I'm sure a lot of things were kept from him all growing up. And I'm sure it was one of those things that we are not going to talk about this. Whatever happened, we're not discussing it. We must never speak of this again. Yes, that's right. And um, he may or may not know that whatever he did to her, he may have blocked it out. He may not know, but it's been hanging over his head his whole life. Right, and his life... And he's 30 or almost 30 years old now. They did him no favors No, by covering it up. No. I agree with everything you said, but I'll go one step further, and I know I said this earlier too, but not just to protect him, but to protect the reputation. Yeah. And it came from a place of entitlement. Yeah. Thinking that they could sell this cover-up and you got to give them credit. At least they confuse things enough so they've never been charged with yeah, anything. Yeah, so that's what I and said. And never will be. But, you know, it's funny how the human mind works where people are so willing to believe the most outrageous things. If you talk to, if you know anyone they who's a They certainly are, aren't they? If you know anyone who's a conspiracy theorist, which... I was more that? thinking of current events. Oh, well, that too... I think all of the uh, tin hat people got out to the polls. People <laughs> love fall. a conspiracy. But they love it. But it's so, some of them are so convoluted. And you think, think of the most simplest explanation. That's honestly, right. that's, I mean, sometimes weird things do happen. And unbelievable things do happen. But most of the time they don't. Right. Most of the time, it is what it is. A plane crashed in the ocean, and we just don't know what it is because it just was weird where it is. The currents, you know, sooner right. or later, pieces are going to come up. It's not in the middle of Siberia right. somewhere. A nut job with a gun shot President Kennedy. A nut job with a gun shot 20 children. Right. It's not faked. Right. Those poor parents lost their kids. Right. The, oh, those people make me want to punch them in the face. But in any case... Yeah, I'm sorry. That's all right. That's a tangent. And that was, a, since we had such a long episode today, and we could say so much more, but it's going on, we're going to... Do you want to skip Ask a Lawyer? Please? Yeah. Sorry, gonna, Matt. Bye. Yeah. We just pushed <laughs> Matt, the pickles Matt's out the door. Matt's waiting, waiting around. <laughs> he was looking at the window the whole time, and now he's sadly going away. <laughs> so we're going to skip Ask a Lawyer this week, and also wouldn't have been relevant to this story. And yeah. I know it frequently isn't, but it's just that I feel like what we've been talking about is intense enough that, that we can skip. So we should probably just say... Good night. Good night, everybody. I hope you had a good Christmas. And remember that you can find us on crimeandstuffonline.com. Crimeandstuffonline.com. Where you'll find ways to subscribe. You can listen to us on on that website. 
and you or can, iTunes. You can find ways to subscribe through iTunes, Android, and other. And means. please subscribe and rate and review because if you review and rate us, then more people will get to listen to us. Well, maybe people don't want more people to listen to us. Mm-hmm. And just a reminder, because we haven't said it in a while. We're sisters, and Rebecca Sister. is an artist, and I'm a mystery novelist. And, and I'm a kitchen designer. Yeah, but you're really an artist. And I'm a mystery novelist. And yeah, former, yeah, she's a she's a writer. Former journalist, mm-hmm. and you can find more information about that on MaureenMillican.com. And on Facebook, we're both on Facebook. We're both on Facebook. I know I, I have been getting some friend requests on Facebook on my friend, so I don't I'm not. We're both a little. I mean, I like the spammy thing. So, so I, if I don't know somebody, I usually. But you right. can. But you can please like our Facebook page, and maybe someday we will have a uh, a group, a Facebook group. Right now, we're not. Right. We don't have the time to put, keep up with that. You can find us on Facebook at Crime and Stuff. Yeah. People can reply to stuff that we put. I think. You can. Yeah. If you've liked our page. Yeah. If you've liked the page, you can. But we don't have like a Facebook group where there's discussion. In our personal Facebook pages, we just keep out of it. Yeah. But I, but I just wanted to say that because I have been getting, I've gotten I've a couple gotten a of friends. And, I, and, and I, it's not that we don't want to be your friends. So we've got our website. Momo's on Twitter. Well, we're both on Twitter. but Yeah, we have, and we have crime and stuff on Twitter. You can follow us. And I think that's probably it for this week, right? Yes, because we're tired. We had we're a long way past our bedtime. And I also had Hanukkah too, so. So we're going to sign off for tonight. Okay. And next week? I don't know what we're doing. Next gonna... week, we were going to do the year in review of oh, crime. We yeah. were going to pick out some crime stuff from 2016 okay. to talk about. Sounds like fun. Okay. And happy 2017, Yay! everybody. Bye. Bye. I gotta pee so bad. I know, me too.